Hello, Creepsters. This is Michelle, and you're about to listen to the beautiful Donna and Carrie tell you some sinister sightings. So hold on to your dookie, because it's about to get spooky. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. And you just heard Michelle do that wonderful intro, like where she called us beautiful. I was going to say, um, did she just call us beautiful? I mean, love that. Almost as much as she said dookie. I mean, your second favorite word. <laughs> What's my first? Anything that involves a dick. <laughs> I mean, straight off the bat, we're going straight to dick. <laughs> Into the intro. Welcome. No bleeps. Can't afford them. Here we go. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you want to do an intro and kick ass like Michelle, talk about all the words Donna loves, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, let's jump right in. Hey, ladies, my name is Kayla, and I'm a photographer in San Diego. Sidebar, Donna, did you know that San Diego is also called Man Diego? No. Yeah, because the men outnumber the women like two to one. Oh, I am going. I'm surprised you haven't moved there yet. Like, there's a Donna-sized impression in the wall because she just moved to San Diego right now. Uh, yeah. Because there's like, um, I think, an Air Force base there, question mark. Yeah, men in uniform, all the things. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. You never heard shit, me no. call it Man Diego? Why did you just ask me if you thought you called it that? Because I literally call it all the time, but then I you don't know. You do not. Literally every time I say San Diego, which is clearly not that often. But. Okay. Um, in your sleep? Because Tiffany, are you listening right now, honey? When have you ever heard her call that? That? Mm-mm, never. <laughs> never. Because if you would have said that, I would have looked it up on citydata.com or whatever. <laughs> Did you just pull that out your ass? That's a thing. That's city a data. thing. You just but you said it with such like a citydata.com. She had coffee and I'm feeling her energy. <laughs> and so it's getting me a little hype. It's like city-data.com. Okay. I used to look all the time because I wanted to move to Nashville. Okay. Anyway, it's a thing. Look it up. Oh, good. No, never. Okay. Kayla says... I'm still new to the podcast and trying to catch up with the new stuff, but I'm still on 2018 episodes, but I listen to you guys when I edit or paint. You guys talk about everything I love listening to, and I'm also an extra-large pizza. Kayla, can you tell us some hints on how to take pictures as extra-large pizzas? Like pose? Yes. I, we, we literally just had this conversation. Yeah. Like two seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. What do we do with our hands? How do I not... Look like an uncircumcised dick. (laughs) Okay. So she says, so I want to share my own story. I have a bunch, but this one's the craziest. I've always been sensitive to the paranormal and try to block it out as much as I can. Back in 2014, I had my daughter and this must have been the end of 2014 or early 2015. It was late at night and we were coming home from a friend's house. We had a tiny two-door car, and I would sit in the back to call my daughter because she hated the drive home. I kept feeling weird on the drive, like I didn't want to go home. It was weird because 
Even though we lived with family, I wasn't fighting with anyone and there was no reason for me to not want to go home. We kept driving and turned to go into the driveway. So you can picture it. It was a long dirt road and to the left there was a huge abandoned field with the foundation of an old house. I kept getting a panicked feeling about not wanting to go home but shook it off. This voice inside me said to not look in the field. So while my husband is driving slow to not wake the baby, I'm fighting with myself not to be dumb and just look. I looked, and there was the shape of a man walking and turning his face to look at me. Uh-uh, no! This wasn't a real man. This was a shadow person. Things I've seen and felt before, but had suppressed it so long that it shocked me. When we get to the top of the driveway and turn into the house, I hop out and yell to my husband to look in the field and if he can see anyone. He was confused since he didn't see anyone, and I yelled at him to grab the baby, and we went in, and when we got into the room, I was sobbing, and I told him what I saw and how it scared me. I calmed down, and I breastfed my baby and fell asleep. The next day, we went to a friend's house, and we're coming home after dark again, and I was in the same spot and had that feeling again. Again, I argued with myself that it's just because of what I saw and that it surely wouldn't happen again. We go slowly up that hill again, and I tell myself not to look. Ignore it. I turn halfway through the drive up and see the shadow man waiting at the fence, standing, facing me now like he knew I saw him. Oh, God, that's so creepy. We go into the house And near tears again, I tell my husband what happened. We agreed to speak to my friend's mother about it since she's kind of a medium. I messaged my friend to tell her about what happened and she asked me to take photos of the field and outside of my window and the other windows and to send them to her. I did and she called back almost immediately. Her mom tells her they need to come over now. She came over and we talked. She tells me about who he was And we found out that it was my grandmother's father. He was an evil man who was a child molester and 99.9% sure he was a murderer. She said he was scaring and watching me because of how close my grandmother and me were and wanted to hurt her through me. She told me he wasn't allowed in our home because there were good spirits here that wouldn't let him in. She told us the details and even his nickname for my grandma when she was little that no one but my grandma knew. She told us that I would need to ignore him and that it needed to be my grandma's job to tell him to go away and also to not let what he did to her affect her and to try to let it go so that the attachment could be broken and he could leave us alone. After this, I ignored him, but a few times my daughter would point and say, the man. We would rush her into the house, and finally, over a little time, he stopped being around, and my grandma said she did what my friend's mother told her to do. I have more little stories, even including true crime, but this one is super long, and I better leave it here. Thank you so much for this podcast. I really love listening to it when I can. Creep it real, Kayla. Holy shit. That is so scary. Holy shit. (laughs) Just the, like, your body telling you don't look. Because I do that all the time. Yeah. 
Because you know how I told you, like, my mom said, if you look in the back seat and there's mm-hmm. a ghost, it's going to stay there, blah, 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 it'll yeah. get you. I do that all the time, but then my stupid ass looks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't listen. I mean, obviously you don't either because you looked. But if I actually saw something there. Dead. I'd die. 100% die dead right there. Yeah, I'd be like fainting goat. Boom. Oh, my God. I mean, obviously you're stronger than me. But whew, I don't know. I'm just picturing, you know, especially walking slowly through a field. And then the next time he's waiting on you. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And then to know, like, how sinister he was in real life. And he's connected to you. And it just wasn't this, like, perchance kind of thing. Oh, gosh. Whoa. Thank you so much for sharing that, honestly. What a kickoff. Woo. That one got me. Hey, ladies. It's spooky season, witches. This isn't really a sinister sighting. Actually, I'm not sure what it is. You tell me. A few weeks ago, I went to visit my cousins in Oklahoma. We were raised pretty close together, so their kiddos call me Aunt Bay. One of my nieces is our miracle baby. Her and her twin brother were born at 25 weeks. Unfortunately, little brother only survived 17 days. My cousin named my niece after our late grandmother. We're Hispanic, so we believe in all things paranormal and spiritual. We truly believe that my grandmother's spirit lives on through my niece. I got to spend time with my little babes that Friday. Once they got home, my niece, Miracle Baby, asked my cousin if I had babies. My cousin told her not yet. My niece then replied, Yes, Mommy, Aunt Bay has twins. I had a miscarriage when I was in college, which makes me wonder if that's who she's seen or if twins are in my future. As my aunt put it, someone put it in her ear that you're going to have twins. Right before this happened, I had decided and told my mom that I didn't want to have kids. Needless to say, it made me very emotional. What do you think? Love you crazy ladies. Thanks for the endless laughs. Now that I figured out how to submit stories, I have plenty more to share. As I mentioned, I'm Hispanic, so I have stories for days. Maybe it's kind of both. Maybe it's who she's seen, but then they're going to be reincarnated in some way. I don't know. I don't know either. That would make me emotional, too. But on the other hand, kids say the darndest things. So, like, did she just say it? Or did she really, you know, like, did somebody really tell her that? I don't know. Because then it's like, or did you just have a big meal that day? And she's like, oh, are you having twins? That's so true. (laughs) You know, I mean, kids say crazy shit. They mean. They fucking mean. Yes. (laughs) So it's like, who fucking knows? And that you only had, this sounds terrible, like how this work's going to come out. But you said that you don't want to have kids in the future. So it's like, well, what does it mean? Which is literally the whole point of the email. So it's like, I don't fucking know. Okay, the next one. Not exactly paranormal, but eerie nonetheless is the title. Hi, ladies. Love your podcast and think of you as my online friends. On to the story. First, this tale is sent to you in honor of my best friend, Charlene, who died suddenly in June. I miss her very much, and telling this story helps me keep her with me. 
Back in the olden days, when we could actually get on airplanes and fly places, every year I would fly to Orlando, Florida to see her. She always picked me up and drove me back to the airport at ungodly hours. Cheaper rates. On one visit, she told me that when she was driving her uncle to the airport, she acted as a chauffeur to her whole extended family. They both saw a wolf on the shoulder of the road, looking out from the thicket. I thought it was interesting, but could be anything. It was interesting that they both saw it, but that was all. Well, shame on me. A few years later, she was driving me back to the airport to fly home well before daylight. We were chatting, and I was idly staring out the window. Suddenly, I saw a wolf peering out from the thicket. I was stunned. I turned to Charlene, and we played, Did you see what I saw? What did you see? That's what I saw. Game. Bottom line, we each saw a wolf. A big, gray wolf. To my knowledge, there are no wolves running around the wilds of Orlando, Florida. And even as I saw it, I could see that it wasn't actually there. It was very distinct, but also kind of translucent. I'm very glad we both saw it. It was easily the eeriest thing I have ever seen. Take care, ladies, and no more health problems, please. Jean. Whoa. What in the Twilight Saga is going on here? Um, also, I love how you use thicket. <laughs> Donna wants to fill the thicketh member of <laughs> <laughs> Why you have to make me have a, a speech impediment? Like those Steve <laughs> Insert that weenie dog with the chin. <laughs> God bless. Or Mike Tyson. <laughs> God bless. Oh, God. Not to make fun of people with speech impediments. No, it's just how you said it. Like, what? Also, just synchronicity here. You said your dear friend passed away in June. It's June. Yeah. Right now. Thank you, Carrie, for showing up today. (laughs) And the reason why I couldn't finish that, there was a car going outside. We tried to make the best podcast for you, and I had to stop, and Carrie interrupted my thought. Well, I just thought that you were just pausing for effect. No. No. But yes, it's freaking June, and you wrote this in October. So it worked itself out. It's meant to be. It's beshared. Okay, the next one. Hi, Donna and Carrie. Love your podcast. I am a self-proclaimed spooky girl. TM. And... (laughs) (laughs) Trademark. Yeah. (laughs) And you guys do the best job cultivating and analyzing the stories out of any spooky podcast out there. Thank you. Tell all your friends. Also, I wish I had your amazing accents. Oh, since that one review we got that said we're corn pone or whatever it was. Corn pone. Corn pone. I had to Google it. I didn't even know what the fuck it meant. I only know it from the help. Because <laughs> that's all that girl knew how to cook. And Minnie was like, he can't have no more corn pone. That's cornbread? Hell if I know. I just know corn pone. I know the word. And so Minnie cooked and he said, corn pone to fried chicken? He said, you should have done something and, like, you should have burnt the chicken or something. And, and she, she said, said don't burn no chicken. Right. Like, literally, that's the only time I've ever heard those words besides the review. <laughs> but we have amazing people 
who think our accents are bearable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, I I am who I am. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone turned off their radio not just turned off the podcast like and their the whole radio, radio. <laughs> okay so amazing accents let's repeat that again okay oh okay make sure to yeah <laughs> i do have some psychic talents and have had many experiences with paranormal moments and strange things since i was a kid So I have a lot of stories. I've included two here to start, so maybe I'll reach back out again in the future, but these for now. I thought the Irish bar one was very on brand for what you guys often talk about regarding men being evil. Enjoy and keep up the good work. Definitely feel free to edit if you need to. I can be a weirdo. The first one, tall hooded figure in my bedroom in Philly. When I was 23, I moved in with my friend, we'll call her Whitney, in a row house in a neighborhood in Manayunk, Philadelphia. Whitney and her mom were looking to buy a house, and they knew that we were going to be roommates, so they invited me along on most of the real estate viewing so I could suss out the vibe. Many of the houses in Manayunk are old AF, and I can remember at least one that gave off a very bad vibe. Of course, the house Whitney and her mom ended up choosing I didn't come along on the viewing because I was busy doing something that day. Anyway, they chose the house and Whitney moved in. I didn't join her right away because I was out of college and living with my parents in Jersey and I wanted to get a job in Philly first. Now, the first incident in this house happened before I lived there. It was the summer of 2013, and I stayed at the house one night for the Made in America Music Festival, Good Times, with a group of my friends. My friend Diana and I shared a bed in the middle bedroom. I was woken up the morning after the concert by an extremely evil-sounding voice, snarling something into my ear. I don't remember what it said, but it was threatening and woke me the fuck up. Diana clearly hadn't heard anything. Now, this kind of thing has happened to me before, and I was so hungover, so I didn't think too much about it. Anyway, so Christmas time 2013 rolls around, and I finally get a job and move in with Whitney. We are both so excited. Whitney had the front bedroom, and I could choose between the middle and the back bedroom. I initially moved my stuff into the middle bedroom because it had hardwood floors and was bigger and felt more luxurious. However, when I was in there alone, I could never shake the feeling that someone was watching me. And when I went near the closet, the air was ice cold. Also, whenever I would go near the closet, I would get extremely violent and disturbing imagery in my head which is not something I've ever experienced or had to deal with before. Only a week after I moved in, Whitney had a seizure while she was cutting vegetables in the kitchen and almost sliced her finger off. Oh, no. That sounded so, like, fake. Like, oh, no, but oh, God. Yeah. I know. This sounds insane, 
I'm not making this up. Again, I happened not to be there when this happened, which sucked. But of course, Whitney's parents freaked out. She ended up being diagnosed with a seizure disorder, and they demanded her move back home to Tennessee with them. So yes, this left me in the house all alone. Mm. After only a few weeks, I realized the middle bedroom was not working out. I was going through a rough time at that time, coping with the breakup and my grandpa had gotten sick. I wasn't sleeping well, and although those are two totally normal reasons why you might not sleep well, I just had a feeling that being in that middle room wasn't helping. So I packed up my stuff and moved to the back bedroom, which had a huge stain on the floor that looked like someone had tried to cover up blood with bleach. I put my bed over it and weirdly, I guess, given the stain, it immediately became apparent that this bedroom felt more safe. So I settled in and as long as I avoided the middle bedroom, for the most part, it was fine. I would occasionally hear creaks and stuff and one or two times the basement light was on when I got home from work unexpectedly. Several months went by and finally in July, I had a new roommate. My friend and coincidentally high school prom date, quote unquote, Jeff, was like a landlord in this neighborhood and asked if his friend, quote unquote, Mark, could stay in the middle bedroom while he finished the renos on the new house Mark was supposed to move into. Mark was only staying in the middle bedroom for the month of July. We didn't talk much and he never said anything about the bedroom. Before you know it, August rolled around And this had to be very early August because Mark had just moved out. And our new, our lease would be up at the end of the month. So I'm sitting on my bed in the back bedroom. I have an Ikea mirror that reflected out into the hallway. My bedroom door is open and so are the doors of the middle bedroom and Whitney's long abandoned front bedroom. I'm working on a book I was writing on my laptop. So I'm typing away and like really into it, when I happened to glance into the mirror. I can't remember fully, but I want to say there was a soft noise and that's why I looked up. At first, it was just a glance and my brain was like, oh yeah, there's Mark in the hallway. Because there was very clearly a figure lurking there. Then my stomach dropped when I realized that Mark moved out last week. Oh no. So I slowly shift my gaze onto the mirror fully and standing in the hallway in front of the door to the middle bedroom is a tall, dark, dark, black hooded figure, probably about seven feet tall. I look at it just through the mirror. I can tell it's looking at me. And then as if making a point like, yeah, you saw me, it glided back into the middle bedroom. For the life of me, I do not understand my reaction to this, but after it went back in, I just kept typing. I think I wanted to show it hadn't got to me, so I was there for a few weeks after that, and those few weeks were the longest. I could not wait to get out. On move-out day, I was straight up freaking out and racing to get my stuff together like it was Armageddon. As I did this, I felt someone was watching me the whole time. 
So, yeah. Okay, the second one is titled Irish Mafia Bar. Two summers ago, I went to my friend Lucy's bachelorette party in Savannah, Georgia. Diana was also there. One of the activities we did was a drunken ghost tour that stopped at many of the bars in Savannah. The guide with the cloak and the lantern, you know the drill, the whole shebang. It was amazing because at each bar we would stop to get a drink and then the guide would take us to the next site to tell the story. The tour was going well and full disclosure, we were lit. Finally, we arrive at the last stop on the tour, of course. The guide stops outside of an Irish bar with an Irish flag out front. Unfortunately, I can't remember the name of it. She said that this bar was actually the location that she would be telling the story about. She told us that we probably didn't know that in addition to the more well-known Italian mafia, there was also an Irish mafia and they were very big in the South. I believe it was the 20s and the 30s. She then made a point of warning us that this particular group of quote-unquote gangsters who had been known to frequent the bar were very aggressive, misogynistic, violent men who did not like women. Okay, weird. So then we go inside and make a beeline to the bar for shots, shots, shots. She didn't say that three times I did, but you know. We were feeling it and in the most jovial mood, making all kinds of bachelorette party inside jokes like new dick and who you fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, I want one. (laughs) Like new dick, you know, Hmm, whatevs. We know who you're fucking, everyone. (laughs) No shade. I love it for you. (laughs) And just being as a whole... Very drunk and obnoxious. So then the guide rallies us up and is like, come sit at this table in the corner with me and I'll tell the story. So we sit around this wood paneled table in the corner, just like you would see at a normal Irish style type pub. As soon as we sat around this table, the vibe changed. And it wasn't because of the guide's story, because no offense, but this particular story was pretty lame. We just all as a group got down about 10 notches. It was some type of oppressive energy in the air sitting around that table. After just a few minutes, I began to feel extremely, extremely uncomfortable. I had that feeling that someone was glowering at me, basically, and felt almost hunted and felt a sense of olden deep hatred. It also did feel very masculine. I also began to notice that I could not breathe. I kept telling myself it was just my drunkenness and I was paranoid, but it kept getting worse. It got to the point where I physically felt I could feel someone's hands around my throat. This went on for about 10 minutes. Finally, the guide finishes her story and I, no joke, bolt up and dash out of the pub door because I literally could not breathe. Right in front of me, this girl, Ainsley, who I didn't know before that party because she was Lucy's co-worker friend. Anyway, Ainsley comes out into the light and turns around. It's like sunset time. And she has handprints on her neck, chest area, as if someone was trying to choke her. 
Ainsley then says, I couldn't breathe in there. I felt like someone was trying to choke me. I look at Ainsley and I'm like, me too. And we look at my chest and there's no handprints. But to be fair, she's a lot more pale. We questioned the rest of the group and while some people agreed the vibe was off, no one else felt choked. We then went to a restaurant wherein the handprints remained on Ainsley's chest area for almost the entire meal. I was trying to come up with theories of why the ghost had targeted me and Ainsley. While we do have some facial features in common, my initial thing was maybe the ghost or ghost thought we were hot and we were their type, question mark. But then I was telling the story to another friend recently when she came up with a fascinating theory. She was like, wait, did that other girl Ainsley also have Irish ancestry? Were you the only two, quote unquote, Irish people, but Irish American who were also mixed with other ethnicities, so like not really at the table? I was like, hmm, not sure. I don't really know Ainsley. But then I remembered a convo we had where she brought up that she was. So I went through my head, everyone else there, and definitely no one else was remotely Irish. So my friend said, maybe like the olden time gangster men, low-key recognized you both as women who looked like they would fuck with being in an insular 1920s Irish American community and didn't feel like you were being submissive enough and didn't like that you were obviously out on the town as modern 2018 women having fun, giving zero fucks, and didn't like that you were being so brazen in their space. So they tried to bring you down a notch. I got chills when she said that. Gross. Aaron D. And also, her signature was like fancy and animated. I was like, okay, Aaron, I see you. Damn. I'm fancy animated. Me too. I was like, oh, that's like how you sign your name. That's cool. That first story, holy Hannah. You looking through the mirror and seeing it. Yeah, uh uh. Mm mm. And then it just just, stood your ground. Yeah, but you, it just like gliding back. Oh, oh, no. As like a, I see you, you see me, much like the last story in the Uh field. No, thank you. Mm -mm, Don't like it. Also, the friend and you with the marks pre Donna's blood thinners, I would be the one with the marks because I'm more red. She's more, well, I'm more Irish. She's more Hispanic. Meanwhile, now she's on fucking blood thinners and she'd be bruised all the fuck up. I'd be like, oh, did you have a dick appointment? <laughs> oh, it was just an Irish ghost mob. <laughs> hmm. Mafiosa. That does sound sexy. I know. <laughs> That's going to be her next fucking role play at her next dick appointment. Just picture it. We're in an Irish bar. You're a ghost. Mobster. You got your Tommy gun? Oh, he got his Tommy gun. And it's loaded. Pew, pew, pew. Oh, my God. Same video. Oh, God. Have y'all seen that video? That is great. Oh, my gosh. I'm not disappointed on that one. The next one is Sinister Sightings, Just a Creepy Coincidence or Past Lives? Hi, ladies. Just wanted to say first that you both are amazing and my son and I listen to you every week during our commute and you are helping one exhausted nursing student make it through the day. My son has heard this story several times from my family and has been begging me to send it in. 
A little backstory. My family is not really religious on either side, beyond just the basic believing there is a God. Any weird happenings are usually written off and excuses are made. When I was a little girl, probably about four or five, we were scraping by while my mom finished college and my dad worked long hours to pay the bills. Needless to say, we didn't have a TV and cable, and to save money on childcare, my grandma would watch me while my dad worked and my mom was on campus. Around this time, I would go to my grandma's house and would tell her stories about my old life. In this life, I was a young girl, and I lived in a place that was very hot with a lot of sand. I had lots of brothers and sisters, and I knew all of their names because I loved to play with them every day. I would tell her all about our lives and chores and the games we would play. One day, my grandma said that I was telling her more stories from my old life when suddenly I got very sad and even shed a few tears. Then I explained to her that one day in my old life, I was playing outside by myself and I got bit on the ankle by a snake and got very sick and died and went to heaven and waited until my mom and dad were ready for me. I showed her where I got bit, and it happened to be the exact spot where I have a birthmark. She was, understandably, freaked out, but hid it as to not scare me. I took her story with a grain of skeptical salt until I encountered a similar situation. One year for vacation when I was 14, my family, my mom, dad, and four-year-old younger brother went to Florida to visit my paternal grandma and grandpa. They lived in a rural area with land and a pond. That evening, after spending the day fishing, we all sat outside where there was a big bonfire going and my grandpa grilled dinner. After a while, my mom and I noticed that my little brother had been standing beside the bonfire for a while, which was unusual for him seeing as he was a very active four-year-old boy. I noticed he was just standing there very still with his fist clenched by his side. I walked over to him and said, Hey, bub, probably four or five times without catching his attention. I finally shook his shoulder and he seemed to snap out of whatever trance he seemed to be in. He looked at me and said, I died in a fire once. In the most nonchalant way, like he didn't just freak me the hell out. My stomach dropped to my butt and my eyes bulged as I grabbed my brother and led him away from the fire and tried to forget what had just happened. He's now 20 and doesn't remember this vacation at all, so I'm left trying to explain it away, but I've always struggled. Needless to say, I'm so glad that my son never said anything that particularly brand of creepy. That's all for now. Sorry this was jumbled and such. Sleep has been hard to come by this year. Once again, thank you for being such a bright spot for all of us and giving me more motivation to do homework so I can listen and laugh. Creep it real and don't get scared, Cindy. Holy crap. If someone, oh gosh, I don't know. This is why I can't have little kids because they said that I'd be like, oh my God, like tell me more, but don't tell me more, but tell me everything. I don't, I don't know. Little kids are scary. But, like, that's all your brother said? And, like, so is that what birthmarks are? Yeah. Do you have a birthmark? No. I didn't think you did. That's why you're so immature. It's your first life. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I died peacefully in my sleep. Okay. That's why I don't like to sleep. <laughs> that, that may be. That may be. <laughs> don't let it happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I have the birthmark on my stomach. That's why my stomach's so fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, which probiotic should I try this month? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. (sighs) No, I don't have a birthmark. My birthmark is kind of in the shape of Florida sans the panhandle. So it's just like a peninsula. So it could be Tennessee. Yeah. (laughs) More Florida, though. It's kind of wider. Okay, the next one. I wish... To stay anonymous, and you'll understand why once you read this. I wanted to say thank you so much. There have been a few times you guys have talked about how the friends and families of killers are unspoken victims. This is not something that most people talk about and a lot of people don't agree with. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but this past summer, I became one of those friends slash family members of a killer. There was this man I worked with for 10 years. We were family, even if not by blood. This past July, he did something unforgivable. He was drunk and causing problems in a parking lot late at night. A young police officer was dispatched to the scene. Even seemed to end well, my friend was leaving. Then, for no known reason, he turned around and shot and killed the officer. (gasps) He then went behind the building and shot himself in the head. (gasps) Because I knew him, because I saw him as family, I was attacked by strangers on Facebook repeatedly. What he did was unforgivable. He took a husband and a father from his family, but it's not my fault. Thank you so much for mentioning how hard it is for us. I have to live knowing he did what he did. And feeling guilty for missing him and being sad that he took his own life. That's so hard because you're grieving not only the person that you lost, but the idea of the person that you lost. Yeah. I cannot even imagine. And then, of course, just the situation itself because then the victim of the crime as well. And it's just this horrible situation. And blaming the people who didn't pull the trigger or didn't do the crime doesn't make the person who did the crime more guilty. Right. Exactly. So I'm so, so sorry that you are going through that. And I hope that, I don't know. I just hope that you find some peace. Yes. Because you've definitely lost here. I don't understand why people are so cruel about that. I don't I don't understand why people are so cruel on the internet, period. Like yeah. I really truly don't get it. Like I don't understand why it is so hard to remember that people are humans. Like, you know, that, that someone whoever it is on the other side of the screen is a human reading your words. Like I don't understand why that is such a difficult concept. Yeah. And I just found this TikTok account the other day and it's like this Like, they wear a mask, and they're like, they find these accounts of people who post, like, really mean comments to people, and then when they do their, like, 
do a reply video to it. So, like, it'll be a police officer where someone will make a comment about, like, wanting them to die in the line of duty. Or it'll be a veteran and it'll say, like, wanting them to, like, die by suicide. You know, like, horrible comments that you should never. I mean, the worst bullying ever. And they, like, find their, like, they go to their account and they, like, find their social media stuff. And they, like, if it's a kid, they email their parents. They email their school, like, with the copy of the stuff. Like, it's, like, look what your kid's doing. Or if it's, like, an adult, they, like, send it to their job. And, you know, and it's, like, no, like, do you, you know, if it's, like, a nurse, like, okay, you want a nurse? You want your nurse being the one that's commenting this? Or you want your whatever or your, you know, whatever. Yeah. You want your teacher being the one that's commenting these things, you know, I don't know that that's the answer and I'm not saying it is the answer or it it isn't. I don't know what the answer is, but I can tell you it's time people start being held accountable for the shit that they post. Right. I know. It's like, oh, that's kind of like, I mean, it's not doxing, but it's kind of doxing, you know? Right. And so it's not good, but also, I mean, they're putting those hateful comments out there. On the internet behind what they feel like is... But they're not doxing in that they're not posting their private information. They're just taking their public information and then sending public information to that public information. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like... But it is icky. I remember, like, when I was looking at it, I was like, it's icky. Which is why I say, I'm not saying that's the answer. Yeah. Because it's icky. But I, I've watched someone who does that also on TikTok. And it again, I'm like, but also I'm the same way. I'm like, get them, girl, get them. Because, yeah, I mean, people have that safety net of ooh, anonymity. Yeah, I couldn't say the word. I was just waiting for you to say it. I was going to say the one, the word from Finding Nemo, but not the word from Finding Nemo. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, people need to be held accountable. That's what I'm saying. Like, I really don't, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that is the answer. But there has to be some level of responsibility taken so that people aren't hiding behind. Yeah. Because here's the thing. That's hate. That's hateful things when you're wishing people would die, uh-huh. you know what I mean? That's different than just being like, you ugly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which they shouldn't say either, but I'm just saying like, that is taking it, that's like threatening. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So that, it's not like, oh, that's freedom of speech. Like you're threatening someone. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Why, oh, the world is so fucking scary. Why make it worse for the people who have already been through tragic shit? Like, let them grieve in private. Okay, the next one is called Sinister Sightings But Happy Experience. Hi, lovely ladies. My name is Lauren from Birmingham, UK. I'm obsessed with your podcast. I was looking for something new and found you guys. Thank God. You girls have me laughing out loud daily whilst I'm sewing as... That is my hobby. I also love that you said whilst. I I stumbled on the next words because I was like, damn, I'm surprised I knew how to read the word whilst. Whilst in the thicket. I'm learning all kinds of new words. I don't know. So my experience isn't really a scary one. It's a nice experience. 
In 2016, my family and I suffered a huge loss and so unexpected. My uncle, who was a second dad to me, passed away at 47. It left a huge hole in our lives and still does to this day. Our family was broken as it happened so fast and out of the blue. We are a huge family, so we rallied around each other for support. A few months had passed since my uncle's passing, so my cousin, his daughter, mom, and I had a reading from a medium. My reading was something that I will never forget. The lady who I saw said to me, there is someone here and they can't breathe. Have you lost someone recently? So me being me didn't give much away. She said, he's saying you've been doing lots of running lately. So I had recently ran a marathon to raise money for the British Lung Foundation. I began to cry. She suddenly said, Peter, Peter is here. I cried hysterically. It was my uncle. His name was Peter. She said, he's here. I could hear constant tapping. She said, can you hear the tapping? I said, yes. She said, that's him saying hello. He visits your mom's house so much. So when you hear tapping, you know it's him. It was so emotional. But this is what we needed to hear as a family. Just some form of information to know he was okay. A few days had passed and I was in the living room at home at the time. I could hear tapping and then all of a sudden I smelt cigarette smoke. So I called my mom and she could smell it too. And then in her room an hour and a half later, I knew it was my uncle. Sorry this was so long, but I had to share. Keep it real and don't get scared. Love, Lauren. Wow. That's so awesome that he came through. I want to do a medium so bad. Me too. Me too. I don't know who would come through for me. Like, I have, all of my grandparents have passed, mm-hmm. but, like, I mean, I feel like even, like, your mama would come through for me, too, you know? Yeah. Or could, potentially. There's no freaking telling. She'd probably be like, Florence, sit down. I got to tell her something. <laughs> Carrie, can you tell Donna <laughs> to watch Robin Mead in the morning? <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Log into my slots and collect my bonus. (laughs) (sighs) I'm really glad you had that experience. And thank you so much for sharing with us. That sounds amazing. It's also awesome that he came through so quickly because I've heard that you should go like after a year or something. I don't know how true that is. Y'all tell us what you've heard. Like I've always heard you should wait a year because that's when they're strongest to come through. Like their spirit is still, like, weak from the process, I guess, of, like, passing over, Mm -hmm. that they don't always have the strength to come through like that. Yeah. And so you wait a year after they pass so that they're, again, strong enough to be able to come through. But that could be, like, some bullshit rule that I just heard somewhere, you know? Yeah. So y'all tell us what's real. Yeah. Because Lauren clearly got a really good reading, and it wasn't a year. That's probably the general rule for the optimal results. Yeah. Wait a year. But, you know, just kind of like, if you feel it, go. Yeah. Or if you need it, go. I mean, like Teresa Caputo says, spirit gives you what you need. Yeah. All right. Last one. Hey, ladies. Kayla again. I hope y'all enjoyed this story about my family's haunted restaurant. 
as promised, here's the story of my dad's haunted house. So I went to live with my dad around the age of seven and we moved into my childhood house out in the country soon after. Growing up, everything was normal until the wonderful teen years hit me like a ton of bricks. I turned into an angsty ball of emotions and I either attracted an entity or woke up a dormant one. Let's set up the layout. When you come into the front door, there's a living room, go forward, and you're in the kitchen dining room. To the right is a garage slash laundry room and where the pull-down ladder for the attic is. Back in the living room, if you go left, you're walking down the hallway. You pass a mirror, which I hated because mirrors equals seeing things walking behind me. There's a bathroom and my dad's room on the right, guest room on the left, and my room at the end. The haunting started pretty normally. Me being afraid of the dark, feeling like I'm being watched, and being terrified of going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Thank you, childhood trauma from the old plantation. If y'all remember, that was the haunted restaurant from her family. I really like to move around the furniture in my room, and I specifically remember I started having nightmares of the entities following me after I moved my bed into the far corner of my room. I also remember waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat and terrified for no reason. So I started sleeping as far from the edge of my bed as possible. My fear continued to grow and my room felt dark and it was visibly colder than the rest of the house. So I moved my bed into the middle of my room, directly in front of my TV, a horrible decision on my part. I woke up one night and felt the urge to look at the TV and above me were five blue slash white orbs floating around. Mm -mm. I understandably freaked the fuck out and looked above me. Nothing there. I looked back at the TV and the orbs were still there. I pulled the covers over my head and tried to calm the fuck down and go back to sleep. I don't even know how I managed to sleep that night. After that wonderful event, I was falling asleep one night and I suddenly felt like I was in danger and I couldn't move anything besides my eyes. I was laying on my side so I really couldn't look around and I got angry because this moody teenager had school in the morning and I needed my damn beauty sleep. I couldn't speak so I thought in my mind, if you don't get the fuck off of me and get out of my room, I will bless this whole house with holy water and kick you out. <laughs> the pressure went away. I wiggled my toes and then I could move again. I proceeded to freak out and hide under the covers to fall asleep. I moved my furniture around again and after a couple of more episodes of sleep paralysis, the scariest thing happened. My dad was fast asleep in his room beside mine, snoring loud as always, and I was getting ready to fall asleep. I heard footsteps. They sounded like flip-flops dragging on tile, coming down the hallway, and they stopped right outside of my door, and then clear as day, four loud knocks on my door. They were so loud they woke up my dad, who then asked, You okay, honey? thinking I fell or something, and I replied, almost crying, that wasn't me, Dad. He then jumped out of bed and searched the house and outside as well. 
No one was there and nothing could have made that noise. I started staying up all night the rest of that summer because I was too afraid to sleep. Fast forward and I moved out to go to college. I would come home and stay for Thanksgiving and Christmas when I could and each time I felt like I wasn't welcome. I brought it up to my dad and he said he didn't feel anything and I urged him to get the house blessed because something was there. I guess the entity didn't like that because the next time I was home, it made sure I knew it hated me. I really liked rocks and majored in geology in college. My dad, being the supportive parent he is, would pick up cool rocks for me and save them for when I came home. I was sitting at the dining room table going through all of the cool finds my dad had got me and I suddenly felt a light burning sensation on my leg. I have super sensitive skin, so I thought nothing of it. I then packed up all the rocks and brought them into my room to put them with my things. And the burning got worse. So I looked at my leg thinking a bug bit me or something. And I swear on my life, there were three red scratches on my fucking leg. I again, understandably, lost my shit and told my now boyfriend what happened and even sent him a picture. We sadly have both lost it. And that night, my room felt ice cold, and I constantly felt like I was in danger. The next day, my dad was gone, and I was alone in the house, and I spoke out loud. Listen, I know you hate me and want me gone. I'm only going to be home a couple of weeks to spend time with my dad. You can stay in the attic, but my room is off limits. After I'm gone, you can do whatever you want, but you need to stop bothering me while I'm home. My room was still cold, but I didn't feel like I was in constant danger. Months later, I had a dream. I was at my dad's house, and we were sitting at the dining table just talking. I looked into the garage, and the attic ladder was open, and there was this evil little girl staring back at me. She had brown hair, cuts all over, and her skin was blue. I proceeded to grab her and basically banished her from the house, which was nice. I've been back since then and haven't felt anything there anymore. P.S. Here's a quick mini story I thought you'd like. My dad passed away this January. It's really hard to accept that he's not here and won't be here for the rest of my milestones. But my siblings and I are now closer than we've ever been, so that helps. Anyways, I've had many dreams about my dad where I get to talk to him. The first one was him acting normal and I was confused and I was asking him what he was doing because he was dead and he replied, don't worry about me. I'm okay. I like to think he's okay. Probably partying it up with all of his friends and family who have passed already. P.S.S. I will have to send in the stories of my boyfriend's visitor in college and our first apartment. Anyways, love y'all and creep it real. That stuff in that house did not like you. No. And that, like, when you saw the evil manifested in your dream and it was an evil little girl. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So that little jerk was jealous of your relationship with your dad. Oh, Do we all? It was a fucking demon <laughs> brat kid that... Fucking scratched her and shit. Aww. Don't be all in you hate kids. I do. <laughs> of course, you fucking side with the demon brat kid. Well, she's your soulmate. Daddy issues. 
if only this was a visual medium and y'all could see my face to her. <laughs> oh gosh, that is so scary. When your dad's like, you okay, honey? Uh, no, sir, I'm not. Come help me. Then it was like, cue dad to the freaking rescue over there to be like, was that you? No? Okay, jump up and run. Well, of course, these stories were freaking amazing. Thank y'all so much for sending them in. Hey, uh, somebody said now that they figured out how to send in stories. If you don't know how to send them in, you can send them in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. It sounded like you said cinnamon, and I really want some. Ooh, cinnamon toast. Mm. Mm. Or you can go to our website, aparanormalchicks.com, and there's a way, like, contact us, and you can send them in that way, too. But email works best. If you do it through the website, make sure you tell us if we can say your name or not. Yeah, because we don't know. So, thank y'all so much for sending in the stories. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.